Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. I'm Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor. And uh, I'm excited to share with you again uh, from some of these stories from the Old Testament. If you've missed the last couple weeks, feel free to go back and check it out because it's kind of building on one another. And so this week, we're looking at the story of Moses. And uh, it's a great story again, and so I'm going to do my best just to kind of not catch all the details, but to kind of give you the high points as we move along. I I do want to say, if you're tuning in from Peru or Morris or online, we're thankful for all of you. I get, I get reports all the time on what's happening at the other campuses. And uh, I just want to remind you, like, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful that you are a part of Crossbridge. In fact, let's just pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for the, for the opportunity to share. I thank you for these great stories and for the truth that you reveal. God, whether people are behind a computer screen, whether they're looking from a phone, whether they're sitting in Peru or they're sitting in in Morris, God, I pray that you would speak to them. And uh, God, we know that when we gather together, you are there. So I trust that you're going to help me to communicate and then you're going to help the truth uh, to hit home in our hearts. And I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. So just a reminder from last week, we talked about there's this, this upper story and a lower story. That the lower story, and any, any story we read from the Bible. So this week, it happens to be Moses. But we're going to look at, in the lower stories, what the people are doing. The lower story, even as we talk about it in our lives, it's, it's what we do on a daily basis. The upper story is what God is doing. And how God is trying to work, work in to our lower story. And how oftentimes we struggle to see it. And so... Um, as we walk through this story, I'm going to kind of refer to that again. There's, there's what Moses and all the folks are doing. There's what God is doing. And we're going to watch how that kind of comes together. So here's, here's where we're going to start. The nation of Israel finds themselves in a really difficult place as we're here in Exodus. They've grown massively from the 70 that they started with under Joseph's leadership. And out of fear that is growing, uh, that this group of people is getting too large, Pharaoh decides... Uh, He wants to take matters into his own hands. And so he makes them all slaves, and he begins to use them to help build his kingdom. You know, I think from, uh, we're going to see this from a number of of times, a number of vantage points, but it's obvious that uh, Pharaoh is controlling, at least that's what it looks like from the lower, um, this lower level, right, is that Pharaoh is controlling the world of the Israelites, and, and many might be saying, what happened to God's upper story plan? And did this take God by surprise? See, 565 years earlier, God told Abraham that this was going to happen. Yeah, again, here's where you can see when we talk about Abraham and we talk about Joseph and now we're talking about Moses, we can kind of see the progression. In fact, Genesis 15 puts it like this. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterward they will come out with great possessions. In the lower story, again, it looks like Pharaoh has everything under control 
It actually wasn't the case. God had a plan to deliver his people, and and now it was time for him to reveal that plan, to reveal all his power, but here, here was what he needed. He needed someone to carry it out, and that's really where, like, Moses steps in. In fact, Moses is out in the wilderness. He's tending to his father, father-in-law's sheep. And out of nowhere, it's a really, this is a really cool story. Out of nowhere, um, there is an angel, right? He has visited, um, God visits him through this talking, burning bush. Picture that with me. That, that Moses is out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, this bush lights up. You know, there's fire in this bush and begins to, to speak to him, revealing God's upper story plan. So let's just take a look right here in Exodus. And I'm going to spend most of my time, in fact, most of the scripture I'm going to read to you is from chapter 3. So verses 7 through 9, here's what it says. The Lord said, you know, picture this out of the bush, right? The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. It goes on to say, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. You know, as we, as we even think about this, right, um, wouldn't it be nice, I, I think this, this may be going through your head because it was going through mine as I was reading this, wouldn't it be nice if God still showed up in burning bushes? Wouldn't it be nice if he just revealed his upper story plan in the midst of sometimes these lower story plans that seem so out of control? That um, I can picture this, that our, our cross bridgers, um, after you hear this, they're standing out in the middle of your landscaping looking at bushes, uh, hoping that they might light up and hoping that God might begin to talk. But for most of us, I think we would say we've never seen a bush catch fire and begin, God began to speak through it. So how does God communicate to us in the midst of our lower story, everyday kind of living? That was one of the questions I, I found myself asking. See, I think there are a number of ways, in fact, um, that he does speak, and I think that could be a whole series that I don't have time to share with you today. But there is something in the story that I noticed, and it's one of the ways, I think, that God does speak that needs to be highlighted that is found right here in front of us. Sometimes I think God speaks to us in helping us see the misery of the people around us. The question is, does the misery cause us to turn away and say, man, that is too much for me, and, um, and, and actually like to run away from the misery around us? Or does it cause us to be concerned and to turn towards the suffering of others? I thought in that passage, you know, you've seen it, right? I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So we see how, like, what God sees. Um, I think this is a good clue that this probably is one of the ways in which he would help us to see as well. Imagine what it would look like if each of us were attentive to hearing and seeing the misery of people around us. That if we actually walked around alert saying, God, help me to see hurting people 
around me. Can you imagine what it would look like? Um, I was I was thinking about this and even just some like interesting kinds of ways. Maybe even I noticed this this week. Um, I was actually one day, I think it might have even been the morning that I was writing this sermon. I was sitting in a in a coffee shop again, and I was I was working on this sermon, and I received a text. In fact, it was a text from a Crossbridge board member, and, and that text was was basically just a nice text that said, "Hey, I was thinking about you today, and I was thinking about some of the ongoing things of the church, and I just wanted you to be encouraged, and I wanted to pray for you today." Um, I, I don't know about you. Maybe you never get those kinds of text. But the truth is, on that day, when I received that text, it, it came at really a great time. It, it came at a time in which I was struggling a little bit, and I was working through some things in my head and my heart, and um, that text was just one of the ways in which, I don't, this person didn't know this, but that text found me in the midst of some misery that morning, and all it said was, hey, not only do I care, but it said to me, that God cares about me, that he could tap on someone's heart to send a text that would interrupt me in kind of a a misery kind of moment. See, the question is, are we willing to see the misery and the suffering around us? And are we willing to be concerned enough to do something about it? Are we willing to be used in God's upper story to, to like show up at the right time in, in lower story kind of misery. In fact, um, one of the things I do, I thought just an idea, right? A little practical thing. There's times when I, I open up my phone. Um, I did this probably a week ago. I opened up my phone and I open up my contacts and I just begin to work through them. When I work through them, I just kind of, I begin to flip through them and I ask the Lord to bring, like, to, like, bring names upon my mind that I should send encouraging texts to that I should pray for that day. So oftentimes I just just finger through my texts and then a name will kind of go, huh. And so I stop, I pray for that name, I hit that name and I send a text. Something so simple that every one of us could do. And can you imagine, can you imagine, I think last week we had a total of over 1,600 people who listened to the message at Crossbridge. Can you imagine what God would do if 1,600 people this week flip through their text and sent encouraging text upon God's like thumb in their back to find people in the midst of their misery and, and to show concern and also just to be used by God to, to find people at the right moment, the right time to say, hey, God has not forgotten you. Imagine what God could do. You know, I was thinking about this too in a couple of weeks. Here's what you're going to notice. This is just a little teaser, but small groups are coming again. You hear us talk about that all the time at Crossbridge because small groups do matter. Church is a lot more than either sitting behind a screen, just listening to a message, or even sitting in rows, singing some songs and listening to a message. Don't get me wrong, that's important. But church, I hope that it goes way deeper than just listening and taking things in and and saying, hey, like, tell me more. What I hope church is, is when we get connected with each other, that we actually have the opportunity to live this kind of thing out. That we have the opportunity to listen and go, man, here is someone, right, who's having a bad day, and and I can, my heart can be moved to be concerned, to listen, to care, to come alongside. 
you know, sometimes I think when we think about small groups, here's what we do. I, I think the thinking is this. Oh, like, I probably should join a small group. I probably need a small group. Um, it'd probably be good for me, but I don't have the time. I, I wonder if we might reframe it this time. That what if you said, is, is small group really what I need right now? Is, is small group really like, you know, hey, I probably should do that. That, that maybe, just maybe, it isn't about you. Maybe it's about other people who would sit in your circle that God wants to use you to encourage, to challenge, to come alongside, to be concerned for others in your life. And that he would give you a group of people to work that out with. You know, every one of us, um, and maybe this is your week, maybe this is your day, but every one of us finds misery once in a while. And I think we need the assurance that God is concerned and knows where we are And here's what I believe, that God often does that through his people, that he mobilizes us to interact with people, to see people at low places, and to encourage, to connect, to love on, to care for um, at just the right times. So let's keep moving through the story. Um, Chapter 3, verse 10, here's what it says. It says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You know, God makes the asks. He, he asks Moses, he says, hey, go, right? I'm sending you. And then it's interesting. We see the reply in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here, here's what I'm guessing. None of us feel qualified to actually like to do these Moses kinds of things. None of us feel qualified to do the heavy kind of lifting in, in God's upper story. Um, we just don't. Every one of us can make excuses and probably make a bunch of them, right? Um, we do. I do. You do. I know you do. But, but listen, listen to God's answer. I mean, God's answer really, and I'm not going to read it to you, but it's really along this line. Like, let's do this. Like, I'm not sending you alone. I realize the task is large. I realize it may make you uncomfortable, but I will go with you. Now, before we get too hard on Moses, because, you know, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm not your guy. Let's look at some of the facts of the story. Moses doesn't feel qualified. In fact, he says something along the lines of, who am I that you would call me to go? Moses says, I've never been good at public speaking. I've never been eloquent with my words. My speech and tongue, they just don't work quite right. And, you know, never comes out right. Well, here's what we know, right? For most people, um, public speaking, like that would be a large fear for many of you. Now, take Moses. Moses is, um, his profession is, is, working with sheep, right? Like tending the flocks. Um, and, and all of a sudden, he's asked to be a public speaker and to go and to basically speak to Pharaoh. I'm sure he's thinking, uh, man, like number one, I'm not good at speaking. Um, my words, they just always get jumbled up. And God's saying, you can do this. In fact, I want you to go out with the sheep and I want you to practice with them. Can, can you picture that? Not to mention, think about this, just facts of the story. Moses has baggage like many of us have baggage. He has baggage back in Egypt that would definitely affect him going and making this speech. Moses had a shaky past with Egypt. In fact, he had burned some bridges that would have been a big deal. He dodged Pharaoh's edict on killing the, the firstborn male in the family. I don't know if you remember this. He was actually put in a, in a river in a basket and sent down, and Pharaoh's... Um, 
Pharaoh's daughter found him, and he ended up being raised in Pharaoh's house as royalty, right? Uh, pretty lucky break or um, intentional break, if you were to look at that. And then one day, as Moses becomes a man, um, he sees an Egyptian soldier beating a slave. Um, and, and he couldn't, something snapped inside of him. He killed the Egyptian soldier, I'm having trouble saying that word, and then fled to the country for his life. Now, he, here's what I imagine he's thinking. He's probably thinking, my going back to Egypt, um, knowing about all of this in my past, there's a good chance this isn't going to go well. In fact, I'm guessing what he's saying is, God, I am not a good candidate. Like, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit my gifts, talents. It doesn't fit any of it. It doesn't fit my past. Um, I can tell you a, a number of reasons why this isn't a good idea, and I would probably have agreed with Moses. But this is exactly how God works. We say, I'm not a good candidate, and God says, eh, I see it differently. In fact, in this story, it's, it's obvious, and you'll see this throughout many of the stories we're going to look at, that God doesn't always pick the qualified. In fact, he usually doesn't. Because here's the deal. He picks those who would say, that is not my strength, that is my weakness. And he does that for the very reason, because it's the place where God gets to flex his muscles and show his power and show his strength. It's so that when the whole thing is done, it's not about Moses, that it ends up being about God. In fact, Moses says, what do I say when they ask me who sent me? And in verse 14 of chapter three, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And now you think about this. This is a group of people who haven't heard from God in 400 years. You think you've been waiting on him like a long time, maybe in an area of your life? 400 years. Seems like, like God was on vacation. And, and this word, um, even I am, really would translate that. For them, they would have heard the word Yahweh. Um, Yahweh, and this is kind of what it meant, that God has always been, always is, and always will be. The, the moment that Moses would have breathed those words, I am, it would have been significant, and it would have communicated that this wasn't just like Moses' idea that this one who has always been and is and always will be is the one who is communicating. Um, about a about a week ago, I was sitting at a coffee shop, and um, I was actually having a meeting with someone, and, and the moment I got to that meeting, and I was meeting them, my phone rang, and it was my daughter, and I knew she was traveling back from the Naperville area, and so I thought, this is weird that she's calling me, so I picked it up, and she said, Dad, I hit a giant pothole when I was going from Interstate 55 to 80, my tire blew out, and I'm sitting on the side of the interstate um, on I-80 close to Joliet. Now, instantly, you know, my anxiety rises. Um, my daughter does not know how to change a tire. And uh, so she's sitting there. And so I said, hey, 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 just stay put. I'm coming right now. And so I got in the car. Actually, at the, the couple that I was counseling went with me. We had a counseling session on the way there. And, and as we drove um, on I-80 uh, towards Joliet, I, I called her and I said, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to lock your doors. I want you just to sit there, and uh, you can do your homework, whatever, but if someone walks up to the car, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to pick up your phone, and I want you to call me, and, and then as you're talking to me, you can roll down your window about an inch, and all I want you to say to them is, hey, I'm talking to my dad. He's really close, 
and he's big and he's mean. And she kind of chuckled and said, hey, like, Dad, I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to do my homework. And so as, as we were making our way, because here's what I would have wanted her to say in that moment. Like, I'm not here alone. I'm not the one who's in charge of this. My dad is. And he is close by, and he is big and mean, and he is the one who's in control of this situation. That, that may have been the wrong thing to say to her, but it felt right at the time. Um, and here's what Moses is doing. Moses, I'm a week behind. Um, no, yeah, Moses. Uh, sorry. Um, here's what Moses is doing. He's saying this. This message is being sent, and, and everything you are about to see is going to be brought to you, sponsored by God himself. Like, he is on the way. No, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the instrument. But what you're getting ready to see is God. And so how does he reveal his power? Here, here's how the story goes. There's 10 plagues, and they happen one at a time. There's things like blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. And, and you would have thought, right, that Pharaoh would have conceded by 6, 7, or the 8th, or the ninth. But it takes all the way to number 10, and, and I, I believe this, that God wanted him to get to number 10. Because it was number 10 that was um, where God's upper story plan, I mean, the big upper story plan was communicated through the 10th plague. Listen listen to what Romans 9 says about this. For, For scripture says, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whoever, whoever, he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Now, it's this 10th plague, as I just said, that reveals God's big, big upper story plan. God tells Moses on one night, his angel is going to come through all of Egypt and kill every firstborn male. However, this angel of death will pass over any home that has the blood of an unblemished lamb smeared above the door. Now, here's, here's what happens, right? All, it, it, it happens. All of the firstborns die, including Pharaoh's son. Only the Hebrew sons are saved due to the blood that has been smeared over the doorpost. Ironically, um, maybe you don't know this whole story, but ironically, the edict that Pharaoh unleashed on the Hebrew sons of killing all the boys, right, has now just been reversed and not only reversed for his people, but reversed on him. And you know what? That's the breaking point. That is the breaking point in which I think Pharaoh realizes that there's someone more powerful than he is. It's the point where Pharaoh says, go. Like all of you people just go. And here's kind of the conclusion of the story. Now, now God chooses to allow Pharaoh's heart to say, stay soft as it's estimated one to three million people make their victorious march out of the city and make their trek towards the Red Sea. I don't, I don't know if you can picture that, but it just had to be incredible. All these folks, you know, that God has shown his power and his might through all these plagues. And then, and then all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, that's it. Like, I give, I concede, go, get out of here. 
And, and then here's what's, I, I think, really um, a cool thing. See, there's a major clue that points forward to not only, uh, you look at this story, how God delivered his people. There's a major clue that points forward to how God is going to truly deliver us, his people. In fact, it's, it's, a, it's something that's still celebrated amongst Jews today, and it's called the Passover. The way in which God delivers his people out of Egypt is foreshadowing of his even bigger plan to deliver each and every one of us. In fact, the way in which we will be saved is by the blood of the unblemished lamb, his son Jesus, that will be placed over the doorpost of our hearts. It's, it's this idea that, um, in fact, it's always interesting, right? When you, you'll see this many times too, when you look at the Old Testament and you're looking at a story that it points towards the New Testament. That, that it's amazing that it could be this many years apart and yet God is, is weaving this story and you can see his plan revealed here that eventually when it's revealed out here as well in the sending of his son, it all ties together and makes sense. Here's, here's what I want you to think about as I, as I wrap this up. Um, I hope that as you've even listened to this story, maybe there's been some things that have jumped out to you and connected with your heart. But, but here's really a, a big, big piece I want you to hear. Um, I think for many, as you, probably if you were back here and you were in this story, again, it would look like that Pharaoh was in control. And the reality is he really wasn't. It, it would look like this lower story plan was so bad and that Pharaoh just had it all like in, in, in the grip of his hands. And the truth was he didn't. In fact, what you see is God's upper story plan at the moment that he chose through the instrument that he chose in Moses, that God showed his power that was so much more power, so much more power than Pharaoh could ever exercise over these people. I I think about it this way. I don't know what's going on in your life that feels like a Pharaoh. I don't know what is going on in your life that makes you feel powerless, hopeless, and out of control. But may this story encourage you that no matter where this lower story that your everyday living has led you, and no matter how powerless you may feel, that God at any moment can break in and flex his power and might and show you that his upper story plan, he still has a plan for your life. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as we want. You know, I look at these folks, and I'm sure there was many, many days where they were thinking, God, where are you? But I think um, what this story does for me is it reminds me, even in some, own, some of my own areas of my life, that uh, I would say I, I don't feel like uh, I have control over, that I have power over. Um, this story encourages me. This story reminds me that even those places that I might seem powerless that God says, you're not. That God says, I'm going to find a way to take this upper story, this upper story plan for your life, and I'm going to find a way to come down into your lower story right now. And I'm going to find a way to flex my power and my strength for your good because I love you, I care about you, and I can deliver you. Father, I give you thanks that this is who you are. I give you thanks for your power, 
and your might and your wisdom. God, I pray for people who find themselves in powerless types of situations. And I'm thankful that you are more powerful than anything we could possibly face. May you move in the hearts of our people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.